When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Red Sox On Deck Podcast. This is episode number 32. I'm your host, Bob Osgood. We have a great show today, starting with my usual co-host, Shelly Verstrade. Shelly, good to talk to you. What's happening? Hey, Bob. Um, uh, not much is happening. Uh, the Red Sox have been kind of sort of good. Um, but uh, yeah, how, how, how are you doing? I'm good. That's a good way of putting it. They were kind of sort of good and... Reeled me back in and jumped into second place, and then all of a sudden I look at the starting rotation, and this would have been who I thought was in in Worcester. Um, So (laughs) not exactly how you you draw it up when you have 14 games against Tampa. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. New York, and we just watched a couple of absolute bombs off of Winkowski in the first couple of innings. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's not one of those Boston Massacre series. But also joining us, uh, the host of the Red Seat podcast on Over the Monster, Mr. Jake Devereaux. Jake, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me. Glad to be talking prospects with you and Shelly, the dream team. So uh, I, I am honored you guys brought me back. Um, I always, always have fun on this podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Absolutely. A, a worthy guess, indeed. Uh, and before we get to the rundown today, uh, just a reminder, if you can leave us a rating and review on uh, you know whatever platform you listen to the Over the Monster podcast, uh, we would appreciate that. Also, the you know the red seat that I mentioned with Jake, he hosts that with Keaton DeRocher. Uh, Keaton also hosts the Precap with Bailey Von Schneider. So those are the active podcasts we have going on right now, and we'll get right into it here. So kind of the the biggest news this week is that Brian Bayo was called up on the sixth for a start. Bayo was recently moved up to number forty nine on the Baseball America. Uh, top 100 list, one of the more anticipated starts in a long time. We could argue what the last prospect that you were excited to see get called up, whether that was 5, 15, 40 years ago, Roger Clemens, I don't know. But uh wanted to get each of your thoughts, starting with you, Shelley. You know, what, what did you think about his first start? What did you like? What didn't you like? And um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, I mean... Outside of the results and just just everything that he did, I I really did like what I saw when he was on the mound. Like even when you know, you know he wasn't pitching effectively when you know hits got in. He it didn't seem like any anything like really bothered him like on the mound. Like he still seemed like super cool and collected. Sure. Uh, I mean that's that's that is what I really liked. Um that's probably the only thing that I liked. Um I mean he he really did, he really 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 did struggle um against Tampa. And you know, I looked it up um uh prior to the start because I saw that the saw that the Rays like really just like really just put like a whole lot of lefties into their lineup which is what Tampa usually does. You know, like they, they really have like a, a, a really deep um, lineup where they can just like mix and match to, to you know, really go against yep. their pitchers. So right-handed, hit, right-handed hitters were, had a 419 OPS and in, um, against uh, Bayo and AAA, and he had a 39 uh uh, strikeout percentage against them, so that's really good. Yeah. Um, but against left-handers, he only he had a seven thirteen OPS and a twenty seven percent K percentage in AAA. Uh, and of course, Tamper is like, oh, we see that, so we're gonna just like put like so many lefties up there, and it it it, it just really, um. Uh, yeah, I just I just really think that Bayo just really struggles against lefties currently because I mean I just went into Baseball Savant and just like looked at like the pitch plots 
um, against righties and left-handers, and he was just throwing so many pitches outside of the zone um, against left-handers. Like, it is, like, egregious. Like, the dude did not have, like, any command last night against left-handers, against anyone. Like, I, yeah. it was just, like, really, really bad. Um, I but I, I did like his composure, but there is still some work to be done there. Definitely. I think that's a great call-out, and you're right. You can't do that a whole lot. There aren't many minor league teams that are built to to have, you know, throw seven lefties in the lineup or that are, you know, more effective uh, one from one side. You're not going to see that in the minors a whole lot. Um, Tampa was able to do that, and he really was heavy on the changeup as a result. You know, he threw 36 fastballs, 30 changeups, and only 13 sliders. I was hoping to see a little more of the slider because it just seems, you know, by default you're going to probably throw more changeups that are moving away from left-handers and more sliders that are moving away from right-handers. So it really forced him to go fastball changeup uh, a lot of the game. And you're right, it's, when I saw the lineup, it was kind of the first thing that came to mind for me as well. Uh, Jake, what do you think? What did you see from Bayo yesterday? Um, I, I thought the biggest thing was, was Bayo himself, you know, kind of, he was his own worst enemy in this game. Um, and I agree with, with Shelly that, you know, the lefty thing probably definitely threw him off and the energy of being at Fenway for your first start is probably overwhelming. And, you know, Eck mentioned this a couple times in the broadcast, but he looked almost jumpy. You know, he was kind of like, <laughs> so full of energy. He was kind of hopping when he threw. Um, yeah. And I think that that probably screwed up his release point and his mechanics just a little bit. And we saw some uncharacteristic things from Bayo that we don't normally see when he's in the minor leagues. You know, he's um, he's a cool cat who works real fast and knows his body very well because he's such a good athlete. And his repeatable mechanics usually lead to him being in the zone a lot with all of his offerings. And I saw a lot of change-ups get away from him. I saw a lot of two-seamers uh, go way up in the zone, sort of. I, like, the thing that strikes out, uh, sticks out to me is the uh, first strikeout of Francisco Mejia. Um, it was a two-seamer that got away and ended up in like the top right-hand quadrant of the zone. Um, well, actually way out of the zone. But, um, you know, he, he made a, a lot of p- pitches that just weren't as intentional as he wanted them to be. Um, and so I think I think we can't really know too much about him from this one start. I think he needs to settle in. I think it would have been pretty different if he was composed and he had all of his stuff working because, you know, Eck was, he's just so good at talking pitching. So I love when he's on the broadcast. But one of the things he mentioned is he has all the weapons to get lefties out. I just think it's a confidence issue right now. You know, that, that change-up is a pitch that should be able to be absolutely deadly against lefties so long as he can locate it, and he just hasn't been able to do that So, uh, in this one start. Um, so, you know, the, the, the starter set is there. Um, I thought it was interesting, too. One of the things I hadn't noticed, really, um, with his slider was that velocity band that he has where he can kind of throw it 88, 87 as a hard cutter, and then he can have a sweepy version of that pitch at like 84 so I thought that was pretty cool and I'd like to see him use it more I was also a little concerned that he didn't feel comfortable throwing his four seam fastball uh, really at all I think we saw one in the fourth inning and that was like 
pretty much it that I remember uh, from watching. And, um, you know, that that's a good pitch that comes in at, you know, close to 100 miles an hour when he really has it. So I wonder if there was just too many nerves going on at that point. But I was really happy to hear the news today that the Red Sox are not sending him back down. They're keeping him up. Um, and hopefully he gets another few turns through the rotation before having to move to the bullpen for the rest of the year to uh, conserve his innings. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in a second because I think that's an important note, and I'm glad that we found that out before the show today. Um, I, I, You can see you know, what he has stuff-wise. The command was definitely pretty terrible. Um, it could have been nerves. He's not the first pitcher that ended up being a stud eventually that had a bad debut. I mean, that happens. Um, I liked that he held the velocity. You know, he his his max fastball on the day was about 98, 97.9. He was throwing close to that kind of as he got up into the 70, 75, close to 80 pitches. So I was glad that he held that and it wasn't just always oh, coming out firing because he's He's fired up. He probably was, but he still had a pretty good fastball later on. I was glad that they sent him back out for the fourth after the, the horrendous third inning and give him a little bit of confidence and finished with a clean inning. Um, but I kind of agree with, with what you both said there. You know, the, the, the command wasn't great. The the way that how much he was missing by the fastballs and the changeups that were just ending up. Um, nowhere near, kind of almost out of the screen on the K-zone type of thing. So I really like the changeup. I think that that can be a great pitch. Um, he threw some really good ones, but he ended up throwing 30 of them because that was what he was really relying on <clears throat> against the left-hander. So as you said, Jake, you know, you mentioned that he'll get one more start that we know. You're saying that you hope that he gets a few more before a switch, um, what what kind of ideally do you think is the best way to manage his innings this year? Because he's at 89 right now. He threw 95 last year, so he's pretty much going to be there after his next start. His career yeah. high is about 118. So it's not like 95 is the career high, but that is what he threw last year. So what would you like to see them do? I'd love to see them let him uh, stay in the rotation till he gets to about 120 innings. Uh, and I'd love to see those... Uh, you know, starts come at the major league level just to get him some of that experience. And, you know, not only that, I think he's a better option than um, most of the other guys that they have available to them right now. I think he's better than Winkowski. I think he's better than Michael Waka, who's dealing with some dead arm right now. Um, and until Nathan Eovaldi can get healthy, until Chris Sale can come back, you know, I think he's he's needed. He's necessary for a team who's battling the way that they are with this current slate of division games, and you mentioned that really poor record against divisional opponents right now. So I think, you know, you lean on him throughout July, and I think in August that's when you really look to settle him in uh, into that pitching every two to three days in a relief role, maybe one to two innings a pop, uh, and get the rest of his innings that way and just carefully manage him as a bullpen asset and then let him loose in the playoffs. But, you know... The thing to note about um, about uh, Bayo uh, that I think is really important for people to notice is there's a reason why his innings are so high. It's because he does induce all those ground balls, and he's had a lot of low-stress innings at AA and AAA this year, too. So it's not like these are 
85 or whatever, like super high stress innings. Um, a lot of these innings are pretty, pretty silky smooth with a lot of double plays and stuff like that. So in terms of raw pitches, I, I bet he's a little bit lower uh, than we'd expect from somebody else who's pitched that type of an innings load. It's a good call out. And that's similar to what happened with Whitlock last year and early this year was that, you know, his innings started to get a little dicey in number of appearances um, after coming off of Tommy John, but then you realize that he was just firing through innings at, at you know, 10 pitches per on a lot of them. So uh, I think that's a good call out. Shelly, what do you think? How do you anticipate the rest of the season unfolding for Bayo? You know, kind of what role and maybe what do you want to see compared to what you think they might do? Um, I mean, I agree with Jake with that's probably what they're going to do is have, you know, Bayo just like really stick into the rotation. You know, we have Hill, we have, you know, Waka, who is a little bit... Uh, shaky where where are we going to get our innings um honestly as just like a, a major fan I really wish that the Red Sox would do more than just just settle in to get Bayo his innings even though as you know I, I know that he should probably get some innings at the major league major leagues it's just like just like just settling in to have like Bayo as like our fourth or fifth starter is just like ugh. we're still like second, you know, in in the in the playoff race. But I also know Hein Bloom, and I know that he's probably thinking the same way as Jake. I'm not criticizing you, Jake, by the way. Um, it's it's just... okay, even if you were, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not criticizing. It's just like it. Just I, I I understand both sides. It's just like my fandom side is like I don't care. Let's try to do something. But then I also know that ba- it's like Bayo's sitting here is like yeah. Let's just get him some some major league time. We really are realistically, we're not going to win the World Series, right? Shelly, uh, I understand this. Go ahead. Does does this come from the pain that you went through as a Nationals fan when they decided <laughs> to sit Steven Strasburg out of the playoffs that year? Um, if um, I mean, if 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 Brian Bayo is Steven Strasburg, then yes, yes, I would love to make this comparison. Um, but yes, um. I mean, at least I that believe... saved his arm long term. You know, he didn't still need Tommy John, and he's still rolling today as a strong starter. So, oh, yeah, man. I mean, honestly, um, I will say this: that Jake is the the reasonable person in this discussion. Um, I am the irrational fan here, and I'm just like, oh, we're so close. Let's do something. Um, but um, any, anyway, getting back to Brian Bayo. Um, I would like to see him in the major league rotation over someone like Josh Wankowski. Like, honestly, I, I, I do think that Bayo is the better pitcher of the two, like, of, of a, a, you know, a lot of the guys. So I do still think that he should be in the rotation. But hopefully Bloom does some other things as well. Yeah. Holy smokes, Rafael Devers just hit a bomb off of Garrett Cole, and now it's 6-5. Yes, he Second did. Second bomb. Whoa. 
We need to speed things up, don't we? <laughs> um, I think that they're going to give him one more start on Monday, and then if Sale pitches Tuesday, I think he's going to probably throw on Sunday for the last game before the All-Star break. So I think Bayo gets sent down after a start Monday just because there's six games and then there's four days off, and it just makes the most sense roster-wise what they do at that point. I think they'll probably transition him to a reliever because I just think that there's more help needed in the bullpen. Like, when everybody's healthy, the rotation has been very reliable this year. And on the other side of the All-Star break, 15 days from now, I'm hopeful that that list is Ivaldi, Pavetta, Sale, Waka, and I'm not sure is the fifth, but I know they need a couple of arms in the bullpen. I think that, you know, right now is just still little bit raw I think he can get by if he's got two of those three pitches working in the bullpen and he can go two or three innings and I just think there might be more of a need down the stretch for Bayo there he's 23 years old I think that's okay and then get him those innings in the major leagues after you transition him to to be a bullpen guy in those 15 days and look to him to be a starter next year but I think we gave three different answers there so I think that means we have no idea what the hell is going to happen. That means take your pick. (laughs) (laughs) Choose your own adventure. Yes. Um, You know, we we don't need to go through that AAA rotation that they have right now because we know these names. We know Bayo. We know it's Ben Winkowski who, I'll say, if I had to pick who I'm most comfortable with as the fifth starter, you know, if I... I'm saying I don't think that they're going to keep Bayo in that role. Out of Winkowski and Seabold and Cutter Crawford, I think I would lean Winkowski. I really like the way that he's kind of grinded out games. I know that they were against some easier opponents for the last month, but, you know, Cora's let him go into the sixth inning, and he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but as long as he's not walking guys, I think that he just kind of grinds it out and gets through five or six innings and I've overall liked what I've seen out of Winkowski. I do think with this group, I mean, this is just a point that Bloom has built up pitching depth. You know, I think of six, seven years ago, every time that we had to go, the Red Sox had to go down to AAA, it was Henry Owens every time and it was the Alan Webster years and Ruby De La Rosa and these these guys that we had to watch over and over again. I, I feel like there's better depth from some trades that he's made over the last three years and that they've been uh, in a lot better position depth-wise. You're looking at your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guys on the list that they've brought up and haven't embarrassed themselves. Um, starting with you, Shelly, you know, if if the injuries did persist, it sounds like you would say Bayo, but out of the other three, uh, is there someone that you're you're most comfortable with as the fifth starter if, if that does happen? Um... I mean, if I had to pick someone as a fifth starter, it would definitely be, be Winkowski. Um, I mean, when I do watch him, I do think that he has starter stuff, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to Seabold, I, 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 honestly, I don't really know what I feel about him. Like, he... I don't think that he has, he has starter stuff, like major league starter stuff. But I'm not exactly sure that his stuff would like play up in the bullpen. Um, but with Cutter Crawford, I really do think that he could be a really interesting bullpen piece because I mean we've seen him 
I mean, it's been like an extended uh, role out of the bullpen for him. Uh, I think it's in his last start and stuff like that. I do think that Cutter Crawford um, could be like a good 2-3 inning guy um, for us. Um, So if I had to choose, it would be definitely Bayo as a starter. Winkowski, kind of, sort of starter. Seabold is really on the seesaw for me because I have no idea what I feel about him. Um, I kind of like what he does, but then I kind of don't. And then Cutter Crawford, I would really like to see in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's all fair. What What, what do you think, Jake? Who would who would be your your fifth starter if you had to? Uh, I'm gonna go uh, in a different direction here. Uh, I've been really clamoring for Winkowski in the bullpen just because I think that the fastball slider mix that he has, because uh, he he really has a very unreliable changeup. At this point, I think he could be a power uh, fastball slider guy out of the bullpen, and I think the bullpen right now is really in need of, you know, that presence, that uh, right-handed presence in the bullpen. It's just like it's something that we've been lacking. They, they, they have two reliable righties. They've got Hauk and they've got Schreiber, and that's been it. So I think Winkowski to the bullpen would be dynamic, and I think it would be more impactful to the team. And I think it's actually Seabold for me. And I agree with Shelley that he's sort of like one of these guys that you watch him and you're like, okay, this fastball doesn't really work at the major league level. But the secondaries do play at the major league level. And I think that that's okay in order to like get you to the point where other guys who are better than him, like Hill or you know uh, Paxton or whatever – get healthy enough for for you to uh, do that. So I would actually, just based on pure talent, like Winkowski in the bullpen. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting with Seabull because you don't want to look at the stats too much because one of those was Toronto, and there's no shame in getting blown up by Toronto in their ballpark with that lineup that they were putting out there. So... Siebel definitely, you know, he, he knows how to pitch. He needs to, to know how to pitch and have three pitches like that and with a, a fastball of 92 on average. So um, kind of same thing, all some different answers there. I would say that power righty, I'm going to go with Bayo out of the bullpen and hopefully a trade or two. But i um, going to go through some news and notes, starting with uh, some rehabs that we've been looking at. Brian Mata has made his way up to double A in his return. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery in April of 21. Uh, Thaddeus Ward, who had Tommy John in June of 21, has also begun his rehab. He's gone down to the complex league as of earlier this week, the start of July, and uh, is going to begin rehabbing down there. Not sure that we would see any of those names make their, their way up to Boston this year. Highly unlikely, but... It's good to see them progressing. And then another name that kind of was out of sight, out of mind for me was Darwins and Hernandez just because the, the numbers weren't weren't great even when he got sent down this year. He ended up having a torn meniscus in May and had surgery, returned on the 4th of July to AAA, struck out the side in his first inning. So, um, Jake, any thoughts? Matta, Ward, Hernandez, you know, these are – guys that we were talking about at the beginning of last year and then you know hadn't heard from in a while but i know that 
that Mata had his fastball back and was reported in the Globe a few weeks back that he was already touching 100 miles an hour. So uh, any thoughts or expectations uh, on these three? I guess I'm most excited about Mata and uh, Thad Ward, um, and and I'm going to be really curious to see what the reports are with Thad Ward's stuff to see if it makes its way back. Um, but I was really happy to see that Brian Mata's stuff has already made its way back and that, that plus fastball that he has is still a plus fastball. Um, you know, the big question with Mata and the thing that will determine his ultimate outlook is whether or not one of those change-up curveball or slider that he throws can actually become a, a plus pitch for him because those those three offerings have been pretty fringe for him and the command's been kind of all over the place but you know if uh if brian mata can just get one of those pitches to take a step forward i think you're looking at you know in the worst case scenario a leverage bullpen arm and then that's that's great to have a homegrown guy uh, like that, able to contribute to to the big league club at some point, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm most bullish on Brian Mata at this point. I don't think he's a starter, but I do think he can be a late inning guy. Yeah, and it, <clears throat> good to see he's pitched well uh, in both of his Double A outings, and he had a couple outings at High A. So I think he's appeared in six games already since he's been back, and a little bit of wildness. He's walked ten in eighteen innings at those three levels combined um but he has struck out 25 so that's a good sign what about what about you Shelly any any thoughts on these three um I mean I'm really excited about both of these guys uh Mata and Ward um you know coming back um but I really would love to get your thoughts about Dorinzen Hernandez um because the Red Sox decided to put him back in AAA and try to like make him kind of like a starter and I I just was just really just kind of like poo-pooing that at the beginning of the season I mean I I, it really stinks that he you know he had a you know a torn meniscus right but I would really like to get your thoughts on what do you think the Red Sox development system or whatever was doing there because it it when I saw that they were trying to make him a star, I'm like, why are we doing this? He is a reliever. He has no control. <laughs> yeah. And at AAA, he's back. I mean, we, we talked a lot last year about the walk rates. It's historic for the number of innings that he's thrown and how many walks. is 7.44 per nine in the major leagues in 1920 and 21 combined. And then they send him down, started seven games, and he's walked seven point three batters per nine and struck out fourteen per nine. So the same thing. I mean I heard some you know, last year was just is he going to be able to strike out the side before he walks the bases loaded or walks in a run? And it still seems to be that and that's just I don't know. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with Hernandez until there's some sort of ma- major change. <laughs> with his control and it just it hasn't happened and i'm glad he struck out the side the other day i'm glad that he's healthy and maybe he was was pitching hurt but it's it's what he's done in past seasons and my hope is is dwindling for darwin's and do you have any any hope left jake you know my hope uh comes in the uh form of using him as a trade bait for some type of uh 
package that Bloom can go out and get to improve this team. Because, you know, we've been sitting here for the last 10, 15 minutes talking about all of these super interesting um, fringy arms that the Red Sox have acquired who are like either have major league experience or on the cusp of having major league experience. And, you know, I think back to the bad old days of uh, Brian Johnson and, you know, uh, Velasquez and, you know, some of these other like mopes who we had around who were fifth starters who were completely uninteresting. Uh, And everybody who we've just talked about has something that's a carrying tool, like whether it's a plus plus group of secondaries like Siebold or plus velocity like Mata and Darwinzin or whatever, you know, you can envision the Red Sox taking a couple of these guys that they have from this group we've just mentioned and, and packaging them up to a team who finds them interesting and getting something pretty good in return. So I think the Red Sox are in a really enviable uh, position from that standpoint. It just all determines whether or not Bloom's going to be uh, – you know, bold enough to, to make a move. Yeah. And I think, you know, one other piece of news that I neglected to put on there, but just thought about, you know, qu- not quite in a rehab, but Tristan Cassis has been still out with a, a right high ankle sprain since the 17th of May and it's back swinging a bat, but no longer can think that it's likely that we'll, uh, he'll contribute this season at the major league level outside of, you know, possibly a September call up at this point, but just one other piece of news that I forgot to put on there. Um, I think they should target Doug Minkiewicz to fix the defense over at first base. This is I, – I don't know if it's been bother, bothering you guys to the level that it's been bothering me, but watching – they're dropping throws at first on a weekly oh, basis? It's so bad, man. Like, I've never appreciated Mitch Moreland and Doug Minkiewicz and all these other guys so much as watching – Cordero and Dahlbeck try and field the position. It's just awful. First basemen get no respect for what kind of good athletes they are. Right. You don't go the whole season and notice that somebody caught 100% of the throws to first. (laughs) Yeah. Something that we've taken for granted, apparently. I want Um, Shelly's take on this because she's the big beefy boy, first base thumper type uh, enthusiast. So... Shelly, I mean, what's your take on first base defense? Does it get enough uh, love? It does not. It really does not. Like, I, 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 I was on mute because, you know, I have two French bulldogs, like, snoring in the background. So I'm trying to limit the Frenchy snores. Um, but I was just, like, just, like, raising my hands when, like, when you, Jake, was just like, yeah, uh, you know, first base and don't get enough love. Like, yes. Yes, we are currently seeing like bad first baseman just just sticking a glove over at first base and just seeing what's happening. It's it's really not that great. Um, yes, yes, I just give me any good defensive first baseman, please, and thank you. This beef enthusiast Shelly Verstreet, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving on to some promotions. Brandon Walter was called up to AAA at the beginning of June. He had one really tough outing to start and then a great second outing and then went to the injured list with a neck strain. His last outing was on the 8th of June. Started rehabbing uh, in Fort Myers, so hope to see Walter back. As, you know, He was quickly becoming one of the you know, probably two best pitching prospects um, <clears throat> when he got hurt. Chris Murphy and Pedro Castellanos 
were called up to AAA. Uh, there was a slew of call-ups on the, or promotions, I should say, on the 27th of June. Uh, Sedan Raffaella was called up to AA at the same time, and we found out this week that he was also selected to the Futures game. He and Brian Bayo both got that selection, so really high praise for Raffaella to be playing in that game. Uh, also called up to AA, infielder Alex Benellis and catcher Steven Scott. And then to high A, Nico Cavadas and Nathan Hickey. We're going to talk about Rafaela and Cavadas in a little bit. Um, but any any other thoughts, uh, good or bad, about, about this group? Or think that these promotions are all deserving? I guess we'll start with you, Jake. I know that you saw Brandon Walter up in Portland before he was promoted and uh, liked what you saw, it's, it sounded like, so far. Yeah, he's super interesting, man. As a 26th round pick, he's just such a interesting guy because he's he's such a command specialist. And um, you know, I really liked what I saw from him. I I still don't know if you know the changeup and slider are going to continue to be out pitches at the major league level. I you know it's it's tough to know that until you actually see it. Um, but I know for sure that he can pinpoint that low 90s fastball wherever the heck he wants it to be and that's just such a weapon um so i i think he does have a role uh, moving forward as a fifth starter and you know right now i think Sox prospects has him as their their fifth ranked prospect in the system and, and that's really high i mean that's behind york bayo casas and, and mayor um so it, it's just like one of these guys who's going to be tough to predict uh, what happens, but I think he's he's maybe the most interesting prospect in the minors not named Bayo just because the skill set's so unique. And, you know, I think the, the command there really is on the level of some of the best command specialists that we see. I mean, he's like a, a, a poor man's version of Miles Michaelis. You know, he's he's got that type of command. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Shelly? Any any thoughts on any of these promotions? Um, I mean, Brandon Walter will always be um my my favorite. Like I I just I have just like love what he has done, but I also echo uh Jake's um you know, you know, kind of like synopsis on him. It's I don't know what it's going to be in the major leagues cuz I don't know if he has the major league stuff to be like a major league dude but i do think that he's a major league pitcher so yeah maybe he can fit in the bullpen at some time but i mean i really do i just love brandon walter like i just love him um raviella i think is like really cool again we're going to talk about him later um and chris murphy coming up to triple a it's like really cool it's like we're like when was the last time that we've seen like a lot of interesting pitchers in the Red Sox system? I'm just gonna put that question out. Like, when was the time that we have seen, you know, we see Walter, we see Murphy, we see Bayo, we see all these other guys. When have we seen this amount of pitching exciting depth in the minor leagues? Yeah. I think way before I was following prospects, right. to be before honest. Before I was paying like, attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's this is unprecedented. You know, we we just keep throwing names out there. I bet we could make a basket of like 
10 to 12 names of of these guys in the high minors who are interesting pitching prospects. It's crazy. You know, well, Murphy is just so interesting because of the repertoire, the fastball, changeup, curveball, slider. I mean, they're all good pitches, and he keeps tinkering with them too. So, you know, he's another one, and he's a lefty. I, I love his stuff. I think Murphy's awesome. We talked so much last year with Murphy about his splits, and his numbers are actually better against right-handers this year. He's only given up um, 0.6 homers per nine against righties. It's 0.9 against lefties. Um, K percentage is 29% against righties, 10% walk rate, um, whereas against lefties it's 28.7K, 11.5 walks. So to see him even that out a little bit is huge because I thought you know there's no way that he can be anything beyond a lefty specialist, which barely even exists anymore, but, you know, someone that can come in for an inning or two in relief and face a few hitters, and I think that he's showing that he has the potential for more than that. Um, and that's just all the more reason why, you know, Robles was the first one, but there's Tyler Danish and there's Brazier, and I'm sure there's a couple other names, and I would rather they cycle a couple of these names through. I know there's only so many that you can move on to the 40-man, but I'm not. I'm hoping we see some of these, and who knows? A couple of them could catch fire and and be your guy down the stretch to to kind of put all this together. So Murphy's just, as you said, another name that we can put into that bucket. Um, all right, we were going to go through a couple of the minor league levels outside of the news. There was one question, and Gavin Blackburn, who apparently has a sixth sense that uh, we were going to podcast tonight, randomly tweeted us this morning, Shelly, uh, looking for thoughts on Jaron Duran. So, Gavin asking, you shall receive the same day. What What are your thoughts? Honestly, um, I've been so surprised and excited about what we're seeing here. Because, um, I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was really Kike at the top of the lineup whenever he was healthy. And I really do think that Jaron Duran has just like totally taken like the leadoff spot for this team. Um, because I mean, Cora like really sticks to a set lineup, even if someone um, just kind of like fills in, you know, for a day, he will mm-hmm. put, you know, someone at that spot, but he just has like a set lineup based on kind of position. If you kind of like look at it, it's, it's really weird. Um, but I really do think that Jaron Duran has really just like Wally pipped Kike Hernandez, which makes me sad because I love Kike. Kike is like so much fun. Like I, I love him as a person. He is just so much fun. But I really do think that Duran has really just taking control of the leadoff spot and I was like really looking to see after he you know he sadly could not play in Toronto um how he was going to respond after that like three game layoff but he has totally just done what he needs to do and I I I I just I'm I'm loving Jeremy Duran at the leadoff spot he is stealing bases which we have never really seen for this team for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And when you say Wally Pip, you mean in the leadoff spot. You don't mean as, you know, an everyday starter replacing. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. at, at the leadoff spot. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that he just remembered the player that 
that he came up as and you know he hit those 16 homers when he went up and and had put some some strength uh on and got into the wind tunnel at Worcester and kind of convinced himself that he was a home run hitter and then when he got exposed at the major leagues last year he kind of had to take a step back and remember the player that he is which is a you know a, a table setter somebody that can hit the ball in the gap maybe pop a home run now and then but use his speed and get on base and he's only striking out 19 percent of the time which is great it's better than really he's had at any level in the minor leagues so that's what has stuck out most to me is that that he's not striking out a whole lot you know in 325 he's on base 38 percent of the time and then 92nd percentile sprint speed and seems faster than that at times so have to say that that this has been a good start and you're right I I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in that that leadoff spot for the rest of the season especially against you know right-handed hitters depending on how they want to give playing time to the group the rest of the year anything to add Jake uh just you know splits wise with Jerndran you mentioned the uh the huge success against righties. I mean, he's got a 379 batting average against righties, just 158 against lefties this year. Yeah. Um, over the course of Kike's career, he's been a 262 hitter against lefties and a 224 hitter against righties. So I could see Kike being the short side of that platoon if they want to keep Duran out there. And then, you know, Kike's bat uh, is valuable as well. So you can work him into middle infield positions to give guys a day off and then also use them as a late inning defensive replacement uh, when a righty's on there. So uh, I think uh, there's plenty of place place for, for both Kike and Jaron Duran uh, on this, this roster. And, uh, you know, I should also note Kike started a rehab assignment or is starting a rehab assignment on Friday. So, you know, he's going to be back relatively soon. Yeah, I think that's a great point, calling out the, the splits with that as well. Um, so, okay, we're going to move on to Worcester a little bit, speed it up, talk about some possible 2022 contributors, you know, who might be next in line if there's an injury or if there's poor performance. And I'm going to lead this one off because I probably unfairly trashed the catching duo of Connor Wong and Ronaldo Hernandez on our last podcast which was in May uh, when we had Eric Cross on. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that the, the backup or the future catcher isn't in the system. And since that week, or at least May 18th was the cutoff point that I used going into this, uh, Ronaldo Hernandez is hitting 378, 401, 615 for his slash since the 18th of May. Seven homers, 23 RBIs, 23 runs, and his strikeout rate in that time is all the way down to 14.3% over 37 games so just a completely different player a 1017 OPS um, so he has totally stepped up his game since that time and then Connor Wong since the 18th of May is hitting 313 380 OBP 493 slugging 9% walk rate 18.7% K rate he's 5 for 6 stealing bases we know that he's a very good defensive catcher that some of the, the pitchers are already comfortable with um, and the times that, that he has been called up, and both of those players are on the 40-man. So I probably spoke too soon. They were both off to pretty atrocious starts, hitting well into the 100s at that time. Um, so I'm gonna I'm not going to write either of them up off just yet. Um, Jake, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think either of these players could be on the radar for the, the start of 2023? 
I think definitely Wong, um, because, you know, the thing is with Hernandez, he's still like not that valuable from a defensive standpoint. But, you know, pitchers at the major league level who have had the opportunity to uh, throw to Connor Wong have said, you know, how good he is at game calling and they really like him behind the plate. So I think that that comfort um, coupled with the fact that Connor Wong has hit relatively well this year definitely puts him in the mix uh, to be... Uh, you know, at least have a share of that. I'd actually kind of prefer to see him and Vasky uh, back there next year um, and kind of let Ploiecki go off into the sunset just because Ploiecki's giving you pretty much nothing with the bat uh, this year. And I know last year he was quite good there, but, you know, Connor Wong is really interesting and he's a hard worker and all the pitchers like him. So, what I've seen from him offensively this year has been a lot of growth, and I love the 9% walk rate as well. And, you know, he's striking out less than 20% of the time, so there's still room to grow. And, you know, the the thing that everybody loved about Wong when he came over here from the Dodgers in that trade was the raw athleticism that he had. And there was some talk about him playing multiple positions and all this. And he settled in as a catcher, but that athleticism there still remains. So I think that that's one thing that sort of sets him apart and makes him a little bit unique. I think there's still some projection here. You mentioned the bat with Ploiecki. Have you ever looked at the pop time leaderboard on Savant? I have not. Out of 65 catchers, Ploiecki is 65th. Oh, oh man. Yeah, 2.11 <laughs> seconds to first. Every time I watch him throw to second, it looks like something out of a slow pitch softball game or something and i yeah had to confirm that earlier in the week um That's so i had yeah it's not good i don't think he's giving them a whole lot on on either side um i know he's he's great in the the clubhouse and um you know he had a lot of big hits last year and of course brought the the dancing theme of the playoffs into the locker room so maybe it won't be this year um but i also wouldn't rule it out because like you said he's not not giving them a whole lot on either side, so we'll see. Um, Shelly, any thoughts, or did you want to move on to any of the other players at Worcester that, that have stepped up uh, or could be potential call-ups later this year? Yeah, I just went ahead and make, like, a couple of thoughts. Um, yeah, um, Plowicki's, like, game time or, like, clubhouse uh, theme music is really like really amping up my gym time um i will give him that we have to give him like some cred for that but also that i I, you know i looked into you know like stuff uh vasquez and ploiecki are free agents next year so do you think that do you think that the red sox will go away from both of them I'm a little concerned about that. I think that they will keep Vasquez just because I think that there is some, like, there's a lot of love there, right? I think so, too. I think they'll give him, you know, a couple million more than he probably deserves just to keep the consistency and, um, you know, like you said, to not be down a creek with with the two catchers or need to go elsewhere for a free agent hitting catcher like, you know, Mike Zanino or something that hits 180. Yeah. I will say, though, you know, one of the things that does stand out about the Vasquez situation is that, um, you know, the Red Sox were very heavily involved in the Jacob Stallings uh, 
trade that went down last year and they didn't end up getting him, but yep. you know, he was a real big target of theirs. So it seems like Hein Bloom is not overly enamored with Vasquez as the catcher and you know, we keep mentioning this deep trough of upper minors pitchers that they have. So it wouldn't surprise me if they acquired somebody in a trade because the um, catcher market for free agents is pretty bad uh, next year. And, you know, there's just not a lot of great catchers offensively in baseball. So it wouldn't shock me if they did go out and trade for somebody we're just not even thinking about. Yep. And I, I could... I could see that too, and I, you know, I go back and forth with it. I, I do think that it's possible that they make a trade for somebody to be more of a platoon with with Vasquez. But I think if I if I had to make a prediction, I think he'll be back next year. But I could see anything happening with that. Um, one name that I wanted to to call out as well, Jeter Downs got the call up for I believe two games. Quick zero for four up at the. Uh, in the big leagues, which was more just he was the most convenient player on the 40-man when they, they needed a, an infielder for a day or two. But over the last 30 days at Worcester, he has looked a lot better. His OBP is at 368 while hitting 244. Um, and he's striking out less often than he was. It was pretty bad the first month or two of the season as well as last year, of course. Uh, has six home runs and 13 RBIs in the last 30 days. Um, that K rate is under 20% over the last 30 days and a WRC plus of, of 128 in that time. So good to see Downs taking some steps forward. Um, reached base five times in the same game earlier this week. So, you know, some signs of life after we didn't have a whole lot positive to say on this podcast over the, the past year. And then one other name that certainly haven't talked about before is Kristen Stewart, who was once a top prospect at Detroit and has six homers in the past month. He's got 15 on the season, which is up near the top of the entire international league. Um, so just a couple other players that, you know, he's not on the 40. Downs is on the 40. Um, anything, Shelly, with, you know, any we, we've talked about Downs a lot, but do you see the potential for, for Kristen Stewart, who was once a, a very good prospect and, just struck out too much to, to stay on the on the team in Detroit and ended up uh, getting claimed by Boston. Um, honestly, oh, Stewart gives me like Franchi Cordero vibes, right? To okay. be like, yeah, this was kind of like a guy who was a thing somewhere else, and we've kind of, you know, now he's on our team. Maybe he's doing some things. Um, but sadly, he doesn't like pitch or catch. So I don't, I, I mean, we don't really need like outfield depth. Yeah. Um, but I will give him a hat tip to, to what he's doing. Um, I'm still just really confused about Jeter Downs. I would love to get, you know, both of your thoughts about him because he seems like so three true outcome and I have no idea what we're going to do because i mean like xander tech you know xander is a free agent next year and we have like no shortstop depth if xander god forbid is not on the team next year are we really going to have jeter downs as our starting shortstop i would think oh, it's trevor's story yeah right, but i mean that you had that, to bring this up today yeah, I'm mean, sorry. Jeez, Jeter Downs. Um, what a downer. 
it's just oh man bad yeah I, I i don't see that being the case you know i'm 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 happy that his k rate's under 20 percent in the last month it, it's the first positive note that i've been able to bring up kind of in over a year yeah. and, and you know i went out to a game in worcester last year and it was he hit a couple balls really hard and you know, pulled one, um, another one down the line that, that was foul. He could have had three great hits, but then he had a couple of bats where he was just all over the place and he was swinging way over the curveball. And any games that I've watched, um, you see a lot of that, and you saw the same thing in, in his one-game call-up, which is too brief of a sample size. But there's just been so much swing and miss. There's no way that they could comfortably go into the season. Of course, it's the same team that trusted Bobby Dahlbeck. Um but I just I don't think that they would do that at shortstop, really, or second base as a, as a starter next year. I think that they would either move Story over to short or make a signing or a trade in one of those spots. But I would like to see them pay Xander what he's worth. So we'll have that conversation in the offseason plenty, I'm sure. Um, and then one other note, kind of there's been some relief pitchers. All of them are not on the 40-man, but just felt like it was worth bringing up. Uh, Frank German, Edward Bizzardo, Zach Kelly, Caleb Ort all have very good numbers over the last month, a couple of them throughout the season, um, decent K rates. We've seen Ort kind of go on and off the the 40-man. Um, Bizzardo, same thing, who I thought when they didn't protect him this offseason that he would get claimed somewhere, but they ended up finding a way to get him off the 40-man and into the minors. And, you know, you can't really cycle through these as much since they're all not on the 40, and if you decide to send them down, you're kind of risking losing some different players. So um, I don't know if there's there's one name on there. Start with you, Jake, if uh, any of these relievers would be of interest down the stretch, you know, along with the Bayo-Winkowski types that we're talking about. Yeah, I love Frank German, man. Um uh, the same game that I saw Walter, I saw Frank German, and, and he was absolutely dominant when I saw him. Um, just a real power righty, you know, works close to 100 miles an hour. He's high 90s all the time, um, and the fastball has a, a ton of life on it. Um, and he's a splitter guy, which you just don't see that many split finger guys anymore, and it's a great out pitch for him. Um, I really love the pitch. Um Yes, also has a slider. It's not quite as good as the splitter, um, but that splitter, man, I think it would work at the major league level right now. Um, and the fastball is certainly good enough. The command, you know, is kind of iffy at times. But like, you know, we've this is also the same team that's had Matt Barnes rostered for like the last eight years or whatever. So um, command is going to be an issue with your your relievers. But I think the stuff is good enough to be late inning um, if the command could take a step forward. But I think, like, you know, he could come up and pitch sixth, seventh inning right now and be better than a lot of the guys that they have uh, currently doing that. So he's he's the name that's most interesting to me by far. Yeah, and and uh, th- that is interesting that he's hitting 100, and I think they kind of transitioned him knowing that it just made more sense that his stuff played up in the bullpen over the last year or two. Uh, Shelly, any thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I just want to echo that just the pitching depth, whether it's kind of sort of starters or even relieving depth that we have here 
in you know in the minor leagues. Like I, it's been a while since. <clears throat> excuse me, and since the Red Sox have really, since I felt that the team has really held had like some interesting guys, you know, in the upper minor leagues, and so it's been really interesting to be like, oh yeah, like this guy is bad. We need to promote this guy. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah, yeah, and. And I, I think adding one name to the mix is for me is Zach Kelly. Um, you know, he throws mid to upper 90s with a cutter, but he also has this changeup that, you know, has been kind of graded as above average. But our buddy Ian Cundell put some video up in the last week on some live looks that he got of Kelly, and the changeup was filthy. He put a couple different ones up that were just flying way out of the zone and getting just some ugly swings on it. Um, and... You know, um, I'd love the mindset to see one or two of these and see what they have because these guys are all 27, 28 years old, and this is the this is the time in my mind. There's some good arms at AAA, and Worcester has a good team. They are tied for first place. Uh, I think six, seven games uh, over 500 this year because they have just a lot of good arms. Some of them are up here, and then other ones that have been called up from AA to AAA, and they have a, a good bullpen. So. Uh, that would be that would be my name. About Zach Kelly, though, you know, one of the best Zach Kelly stat is his signing bonus was five hundred dollars. Oh my god, that is <laughs> craziness! So he, yeah. quite literally, came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, not a bonus, baby. Five hundred dollars. Wow. Well, I'm rooting for him then. I think you get the same signing bonus like when you you work for your your local like town. Uh, power department or whatever like when you sign on <laughs> all right we're gonna wrap up with one more uh little mini segment kind of some breakout performances in the lower levels the levels below triple a uh let's start with you shelly let's just go with one uh one breakout performance that has stood out to you so far this year yeah, um, I'm going to go with a 11th round draft pick, uh, Diego Cavadas. Um, he was, you know, drafted out of Notre Dame. Like, he was just like, just like this guy. It was just like, okay, yeah, let's draft him. He's a really good good hit tool guy. Uh, yeah, uh, he really is a good hit tool guy. Uh, he's been killing it this year. Um, he split between low A and high A. Um, he just got promoted to high A, and, and you know, he's hitting. I mean, honestly, he's just been, like, really great. So, in low A, he was hitting 286, 453, 609. And, and then, since he's been promoted, he is hitting 344, 512, 875. Um, he has been above league average, like, you know, for his entire, you know, professional career. Um, what do I think about this? I, I, I mean, he's 23 years old at high A, so obviously he's extreme, you know, he's old for the level. Um, but I just, like, really like him. He gives me, um, he, honestly, he gives me Joe Davis vibes, but a better Joe Davis uh kind of like profile right um 
But yeah, I just I just really like him. I just love that he just like mashes the ball. It just it, he's just so much fun. He's beefy. Yep. What about you, Jake? Uh, I would say Marcelo Mayer, uh, who's definitely you know not like a a name who's uh, coming out of nowhere. Certainly highly touted, but you know the the thing that I've liked about him is that um, despite suffering the the wrist sprain earlier in the year. Uh, he's been able to kind of get to his power. He's hit six home runs since that wrist sprain. Um, and at 19 years old, slashing 291, 376, 522, um, he's just looked every bit the part of, you know, the the really high ceiling prep hitter that we thought that he was going to be. Um, and it's just nice to see those guys not, you know, struggle. Um, so it's it's been really good. And I think that he's on a good developmental track. So um, all is good with the arguably the top prospect in the Red Sox system. And I think that it's it's pretty close between him and Tristan Casas at this point. Yeah, he's doing what you would expect, the the number four pick and somebody who's 19 years old playing at, at an A-level already should be doing. Um, he's hitting, he's running a little bit, playing good defense. You know, K-rate's a little high, keep an eye on that. But, again, he's 19. There's plenty of time for growth. Um I was looking for this, Shelly, when you are talking about Cavadas. 33 extra base hits and 48 RBIs in 59 games. But that's in 192 at-bats because he's walked 54 times, which is a 21.2% walk rate between the two levels this year, which is just crazy. So obviously he needs more of a challenge. Um, you know, it's a college bat, so he'll probably make his way to double-A, but... Cavadas has been a lot of fun so far this year. And speaking of, of players who've stepped up, Sedan um, Raffaella is my pick. And he, we knew how good the glove was, but seeing the numbers at multiple levels now, he hit 330 at high A. He's hit 260 since his promotion to double A, but at 21 years old, he's got a combined 15 home runs and 18 steals playing. Um, a great defense as well playing infield outfield you know a little bit of shortstop and center field and left field I mean they'll play him all over and they're all at the most difficult positions and he's versatile so he's played a little bit of second he's filled in at third a little bit last year and he's just one of those players that is stepping up now offensively um you know somebody Asked me, uh, shout out Mark Daly, big fan of the show. Uh, asked me if he's a, a top 100 prospect potentially, and I had to think about it a little bit. I think it's like the walk rate, the the 4.7 percent walk rate. I'd like to see that tick up a little bit, um, but I don't know. It's just it's really good to see, and he's got pretty much every tool that has been above average this year and i remember last year there was when we talked to uh, kevin d domenico he was the announcer at salem and he kept talking about Raphael, and i really didn't know a whole lot about him he said you got to keep your eye on this guy he's making every play at every position and contributing in other areas of the game and you know it didn't show up as much on the stat line early on and then at the end of the season he had 23 steals and 10 homers and he was the defensive player of the year in the system so it's just really good to see him continue on that positive path and you know hopefully he can get his average up a little bit 
from 260 uh, in double A, but great to see, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Futures game as well. So, um, Any other other names or anything to add? I think we did want to just shout out Blaze Jordan. Uh, he has hit 389 over his last 25 games in the past 30 days with an OBP of 482. He's got five homers and 15 RBIs. He's got more walks than Ks in that time uh, at the A level. So have to just mention how hot Jordan has been. Um, you know, still really young, playing at the low levels, but doing what he's supposed to do so far, kind of similar to Meyer. So I'm really excited to see Meyer and Jordan kind of work their way up the system probably on a, hopefully a similar time frame. Um, anything to add? Anything I missed? Uh, you know, I just think uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, what what Blaze Jordan does when he moves up the levels. So I, I think he's a really fascinating player, and uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing all these guys develop. It's just crazy, like Shelly said a couple times, how deep this farm system has gotten. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just interesting names at every single level of the system, and it's just not something you could have said about this and you know even going all the way down to like the dsl red and blue teams they're they're interesting guys on those rosters too so yeah. it's just so stocked and it's like okay I'm, c- come on buddy make some moves now we need the big league club to get over the hump so let's use some chips don't don't be that guy that hoards all your prospects right <clears throat> shelly um can follow her at Shelly V underscore 643. Anything that you want to promote or anything that you wanted to add before we wrap up here? Uh, no, not really. Um, again, it was like really good to like just talk like some Red Sox minor league stuff with you guys. Uh, this was this was like just really, really great. <laughs> I agree with that. Jake, uh, thanks for joining us. I do want to shout out Jake. He was on the Rotowire Prospect Pod this week with James Anderson and uh, I highly recommend giving that a download and a listen. You got the gave you the floor for a full hour to talk Red Sox prospects. So kudos Jake and anything else that you want to promote? Uh no, just you know the the thanks for the shout out Bob. I appreciate that and uh you know the um all the shows here on the network I think you know, we're in a little bit of a transition period at Over the Monster with our leadership, but we're still really fighting hard to keep our, our uh, podcasts going. So, you know, you mentioned it at the top of the show, but I think it's worth mentioning again, um, Keaton and, and Bailey Von Schneider with the Red Sox on deck and, and me and Keaton with the, or I'm sorry, the uh, precap and uh, me and Keaton with the Red Seat. So, you know, we're, we're still going to be delivering podcasts weekly. Yep, we'll be chugging along. You can follow Jake at DevJake. You can follow me at BobOzGood15. This was a blast. Thank you both for joining. And um, up next, we've got the draft, which will be in a couple of weeks. And our next podcast will be after that time. And we'll uh, wrap up what we saw from the Red Sox, who were picking a lot later this year than they were last year. So we'll have a good recap then. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.